Hey, Press Thinkers. This is an episode where our guest, Aime Mazara, speaks in English and Spanish throughout the episode. You'll hear the voice of Lola Lopez translating the moments Aime speaks in Spanish. Enjoy. to Presentation Thinking, the podcast where we are thinking about presentations and everything that goes into them. And that includes the storytelling and the visuals. And we have a very special guest today, two very special guests. Uh, Mikey is out, but this is me, Molly, one of your hosts, the content and community manager here at Presentation Thinking. And we're super excited to talk to an illustrator, visual journalist, Aime Mazara, who is calling in. Where Remind me, where are you calling in from, Aime? I am in Dominican Republic. Okay, the Dominican. So we're really spreading our wings here on Presentation Thinking. It's so fun to have you. Mm-hmm. And we found you because one of our presentation designers at Ghost Ranch, Lola Lopez, who's also on the call. Hello. Hi. She found this amazing list of... Latinx artist to watch last year, wasn't it 2021 on today.com? So such a cool feature. Congrats on being featured there. And we started looking into your work and it's such incredible, like watercolor inspiration. I can't wait to link it for everyone to look at. And your Instagram is great. But um, we just want to talk, yeah, bringing in illustrators to talk about their perception of presentation thinking, visual storytelling, that's such an important component and like really like taps into the creative piece for presentation thinking. So thanks for joining us to chat. For having me. I'm so excited. This is my first podcast ever. Yeah, I was going to ask. I know I kind of like being people's first podcast because then I'm just like, there's no stakes. Like we're just setting setting your expectations, hopefully. (laughs) Many of them are like, I've never thought about being on one. Right, right, right. I know. And I want to ask like what podcast you listen to too, because I think that's really interesting whether or not it's design related or not. Yeah. yeah. But I want to start at the very beginning as I always do. And day one, out of the womb, did, were you first? When were you first interested in design, or where was your first inspiration occurred for you? It's really early, so I can't pinpoint <laughs> yeah. um, a time where I was like fully aware that like I am interested in art now. Like I think I was too young to have that to remember the revelation. I, I've always liked to draw. Then my aunt, I have an aunt that's older than my mom that was taking art classes. She was taking lessons right around my house. Cool. And because it was so close, she would visit us. And then on the first day of our class, she was like, oh, my God, I love this drawing class so much. And then, and then it was on Saturday. So my mom was like, oh, this could be like a fun extracurricular activity for you. If And you could go walking with your aunt and take the class. And I think that was where I like technically and fundamentally learned about art because it was like a lot of concepts about perspective and color. And so that sparked my interest. And yeah, it just picked up from there. That's really cool. So it was kind of in the family. And what I'm hearing is there was some structure class to it a little bit, some technicality. No, it took, it it was, it was a couple of years and it had four modules and I was like nine or or (laughs) and my aunt was older than my mom. And I never knew that she was into art. She just wanted to take a drawing class and that's it. And oh, I love that. Fun for us. Yeah, it's a good memory. That's really sweet. That's really sweet. 
I do have a question because I'm curious now. What was like the first thing that you started drawing as when you starting? Like when I started by myself after class or in class, what did I like? I think like one of your earliest, because I remember always when I used to like draw, I used to draw always dresses and it would be more like fun and stuff. I wonder if like you started somewhere and then you ended up in a different route. Yeah, I, I really like drawing trees and, and leaves and nature stuff. Because when I was in, in the art class, the teacher once said like, oh, well, trees just see it as, as color shapes because you can't tell somebody that looks it looks realistic because it doesn't look like a person, right? A tree it just looks like a tree and you could be more expressive with it. So human figure was, I never did good with that. So I never drew people I didn't like to. Um, so it was always trees and clouds and anything that you could mold the shape to whatever you liked it and it would still look like a tree or a cloud. Uh, so nature stuff. Was there, I know kind of your style as it is now, but was there a certain like method or medium that you initially liked, like painting, crayons, markers? What was the method? Style, that word is style. I went through such a period in my life and that's and now that I'm like, I think I'm getting out of it. I can see that it took me years and I, I became obsessed with styles and I wanted to try them all. And I'm thinking back, I spent so much money just buying new materials and new stuff because I said, oh, if I just have the right material, if I just have the right, the the best oil paints and the best, and, and I would try it. And then it took me trying acrylics and watercolor and oil painting to realize I don't like wet medium because I don't like to get dirty. But I had, I had to try all of those to, to get to realize that, you know, I like field drawing and I like being able to manipulate the medium easily. So I didn't see myself using water and using, I just wanted something easier for me to handle. So the style didn't matter anymore. It was just what was better for me to use at the moment to tell the story. I love that. So now it's just become all pencil color. It's just easiest. And then if I lose one, it's, you know, biodegradable. At least the ones that. <laughs> That's and a good point. Yeah, it's just, it helps me wrap my hair in my head. I always use pencils. <laughs> it's just, it's so multifunctional. You can write with them. So, colored pencil, you said, or or water <laughs> pencil? No, colored colored pencils. It's just yeah. like regular pencils that are colors and it's funny because you mentioned in our first talk you said oh they look like watercolor they do yeah it's yeah. such a cool quality yeah. and it wasn't much that I created it it's just like it happened because I'm drawing super fast and then I'm like I think it's the way that I move the pencils and it makes it kind of that effect. yeah mm -hmm. yeah at least the last ones because I feel like I've done things in watercolor but that was way back when yeah. yeah. Well, I think any art artist, art enthusiast or hobbyist even can relate to those materials getting expensive. And then like, it's one thing to like, you want to be able to flex your creative muscles and use them. But I love how you said, you know, if you lose it, it's no big deal. You can't go leaving metal tubes of paint around in the field or something. You know? And then there's another thing that I want to mention about styles and mediums is mm -hmm. that at least if you're using like what you're presenting is a story then it's much better to just let the story tell you what mediums to use or maybe like in what way or for the work that you do, what is the easiest 
medium to use or the one that you're you feel most comfortable with the one that you can pay for like it's never about the medium it's always about the idea like people right. use amazing artists that are just using a pencil or or they're just doing line work and they're like oh i could do that well why aren't you doing it it's always about the idea and the idea will tell you what to use i love that yeah just <laughs> let the story work its way through the medium you know i don't have like in our office our guiding lights we talk about embracing the idea and it can literally means just that you can just have a pencil and a paper and you can just do wonders with that and just like elevate it so i'm so thrilled that you just like grab something that most people will consider like all right i can afford that but you're like creating something extraordinary out of that yeah, yeah. and i can say that now that i'm past this but like before i used to be so obsessed with it that i spent so many years and i was like oh if i just would have let go of the idea of like finding a style. I need to be defined with a set style so people could recognize my art. And it's, people will like what you tell and that's it. But now you're defined, right? So what inspire you to to your day-to-day basis arts now? Um, I was doing a lot of, because I want I wanted to be a freelance illustrator. I really wanted to be a freelance illustrator. But yeah. to do that, you have to, you know, be out there and, publish your work on social media and do so many things that when well, you're trying to sustain yourself and when you're trying to do so many other things, it becomes really hard. And so because of that, I was doing a lot of work and I was taking a lot of work that really didn't necessarily resonate with me just because, you know, they were paying me. But then I would always come out dissatisfied or I would always like let someone down. And because I wasn't truly following what I wanted to do. And so I always said, oh, I, I just want to tell stories. I just want to tell stories. So I don't want to like necessarily work for a brand as much as if the brand wants to tell a story, I'll illustrate the story. Mm-hmm. So I kind of had to shift the mentality of like, I don't want to necessarily do client work where they're going to pay me to do an idea. I just want to have an idea and then, you know, expose the brand, but let's tell a story. And then like, I like to, to be out in the street a lot. I'm always thinking about transportation. So I get inspired by everyday life. And I think there are a lot of ordinary stories to tell that are very extraordinary. Beautiful. I know. And you can see like, just a quick scroll through your Instagram. Like I almost am reminded of like, uh, what is that? Still, still life portraiture, but of like a a bustling city scene or yeah, the bus and um, some trees and people at a market or something like that. And so it's this, it's exactly what you're describing. Okay, yo también. I also get very excited when people understand the concepts when I draw the streets or a car. You know, drawing everyday life. And then one time I, I had an aunt that, that wrote on an Instagram post and she's like, me encanta el costumbrismo que haces. And then she said that word, she said costumbrismo, and I Googled it. And costumbrismo is like an era in, like, like you would say Renaissance era or romanticism, like costumbrismo is just like every yeah. painting, this like, you know, super old paintings of like everyday life. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is exactly what I want to do. But they've been doing it for a long time and they have a name for it. So then yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Costumbrismo. Imagínate. Yeah. That's exactly what you're embracing, which is amazing. 
which is the everyday line. And that's so cool to have like it communicated by someone that came to you being like, I saw this in your work. Right. You're right. So inspiration comes from anywhere. And then she told me that. And then I, I, I Googled a bunch. I went through deep research and that led me to other things and then to other things. And then to like contemporary graphic journalism, which is just, you know, like a very technical part of that, you know, romantically paying painting it. So yeah, there's an element of romance and like uh, whimsy to it. I think yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's really beautiful. Okay, you just said it, and I've heard you say it before. But graphic journalism, like I love that term, especially connected to visual storytelling, which we talk about here all the time at Presentation Thinking. And I want to know how you define graphic journalism and. When did you decide that, like, yeah, that's the route you want to take? I heard you say, you know, you don't always want to do the things maybe that a brand, like, assignment was going to be because the work wasn't, like, resonating with you as an artist. And I know sometimes you just got to take it for the paycheck. But at what point were you like, ah, this is, like, the vibe I'm going for and it's resonating with people, too? Yeah. So I knew I wanted to tell stories. I just didn't know what vehicle or what way or how to define it. And then at one time I was on my way to work. I was working at a creative agency. Again, another, we wanted to be outside drawing. And, and then um, <laughs> one day I took a motoconcho. Motoconcho is like a taxi. It's a motorbike in the Dominican Republic. Motoconcho is just, you know, person a bike. And you, and you hop on it and you go to your destination and they take you to your destination. I was on this uh, motoconcho. And I got in the moto taxi and casually talking to the driver. He starts telling me his whole life story in this ride. This magical ride. It was 8 a.m. And I was just, I and I got out of my house in such a bad mood. And he was just telling me this grand story about his life and how he got here and now how he's, he went from like job to job and he's always becoming better. And it was such a oh. great experience. I got of like the month of culture and I was like, whoa, I really need to, because I went through the whole ride. Just like, imagine this breeze and everything. And I'm just like, I don't know if I'm going through like a, alternate reality or not <laughs> universe but this guy hyped me up but i was like these are the stories that need to be told this is just you know right but he has such a cool story about his life and if i illustrate it and then it's his story and i'm just illustrator then we can create a community of people just telling me stories and i'm illustrating them and that's the first time i got inspired by it and then the next time when i knew that it that i could that it had potential that i had maybe a form, a a way to help people or to sustain myself with it. I did an interview. So I started doing this interviews with people, right? And drawing them. So there was this fruit man and then there was other people. And then there was this lady that I went to interview and she makes arepas. And then I posted them on my stories on Instagram because I haven't even done the drawing. It was like live, reporting live from, you know, about to do an illustrated story here and we're doing arepas. And then the next morning her house burns down. And so I'm like, I'm like, I posted it on my story the next day. I'm like, guys, like it hasn't even been 24 hours since we were, you know, and I'm do, I'm going to do this illustrated story, but her house is burned out and there's more important things. And then everybody just started pouring in money and sending me, and and so I put a link because everybody wanted to help. And in four months, it was like a crazy story where we were able to, the Instagram community sending you money and be like building a, a whole house for her. From the ground, we took the whole burned house down and we made another one. And and then I was like, wow, this was just like an illustrated story. But it was not about the illustration. Again, it's about the story. You fall into the story and of how you present it. And so you have to present it in a way where people feel some type of 
emotional connection or it doesn't even have to be emotional because it could be for a brand. Like if, if you have some commercial emotion for you, you're like, I want that, but you're presented in a cool way, then boom, you, they're attached. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want them to get attached to, to build a house, but circumstances happened. I was just like, wow, this has such a potential of like helping people or like having brands, collaborating with brands. So we tell a story and, you know, we can help people and then we can create stories about how brands are helping people. And it could be lucrative in a way that's lucrative for everybody. The person that's drawing, the person that's telling the story, the brand in itself. And it's all about presenting. It's just about presenting the story. So that's when I think that was the first time where I was like, that was 2020. So, oh my gosh. That's an amazing yeah. origin story. Oh, 2020 is the year of terrible things. But <laughs> yeah. in the middle of the pandemic too. Right. Right. I didn't even know because life just kept going. I was like, wow. <laughs> it's just amazing because you're wow. giving spotlight to probably not the people that people want to talk about, like somebody in a motorcycle driving a kind of like a taxi or maybe a lady making arepas. It's probably not the most glamorous thing that people want to draw, but here you are giving it a spotlight and it becomes part of like a community because like we grew up in those environments and you want to, you have an uncle, you have a family. So you kind of feel related somehow to those stories that you're telling. So the fact that people were like, no, we need to build this lady a house in the middle of the pandemic. Well, that's just amazing that you can do that. Yeah, that's a beautiful origin story and such a cool like indication. Of, right, because yeah. I didn't know any of this was going to happen. So it became such like a natural process of like, wow, this is it. This is what I can do. And this is how I can help and help mm-hmm. myself too, because then I'm doing what I want to do. I feel like right. you can't help. Uh, it's very hard to help others when you can't help yourself. It's like working for yourself to help the collective, I feel like that's a big one. Cause I'm like, with me doing what I wanna do, then I can better express other people's stories. Mm-hmm. It's just a good feel connection. Yeah, okay. And then when this is hap- like, while this was happening, I'm curious to know, like you said, you had worked at an agency. Was there, do you currently work at an agency now? Or are you totally on your own as a no, freelancer? No, no. Um, I, so, because that's a good question. You said if, if I had a job transition. Mm-hmm. The biggest transition, because I have been through several jobs. Like, mm-hmm. you, way younger, I used to work at a pastry shop. And then, you know, I was a reservation agent at a hotel. And then, and then I went to art school. But I only went to art school because I quit med school on my third year. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. So, so that was the first big transition. That was, yeah. That's quite the shift. Med school to yeah, art. Yeah, yeah. Disappointed for my parents, for sure, in that time. <laughs> I think folks can relate, for sure. <laughs> it's important to explore what you love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after quitting med school, I had to work on my own for a while because they, you know, had to leave home and I had to find a job to sustain what I wanted to do. It was a whole, like, that was 10 years ago or, or I think more now. And it just feels like a, like another lifetime. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and then I worked as a reservation agent, and then I did a couple of jobs. And I want to keep—I wanted to keep doing creative work, so I thought that if I went to to a creative agency, then you know I would be at work. But creative agencies are just brand work, and the and yeah. more of like the same. Yeah. So, what was the transition like when you were like, "I need to leave this and actually just pursue full time 
being creative as myself, a graphic journalist slash artist slash illustrador. Right. Wow. I feel like it's always happening. I'm always reshifting my life because it, it happened right before the pandemic started. I left the creative agency to do solo, to just do creative work and stuff. And that there were a series of events and stuff that happened um, at the start of this year, I got, I got offered uh, a creative job too. It was more of like communication design. So a lot of like creative campaigns and stuff. And, and then in my head, I was like, how did I end up here again? And I was doing fine. So now I'm back to freelance illustration again and telling stories. And that's just, that's just what's coming on 2023. And what are the kinds of like jobs you're getting offered? Because yeah, again, amazing feature in today.com and obviously doing your own stuff of your own accord when you <laughs> meet an inspiring, uh, what was the name of the taxi driver? Um, Fabio. Yes. Moto but the, what was his role? The ma- machismo? Moto Concha is it's like a motorcycle. Moto Concha. It's like a motorcycle that you get. We even have Uber. Uber moto, which you gotcha. call an Uber and there comes a motorbike. Yeah. And okay. You just hop on it and he'll take you, he'll take you faster home than a car. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> that yeah. sounds really useful. Avoid the traffic. Yeah. But yeah, what kind of, um, yeah, what kind of jobs are you doing now? So illustration still is very commercial for me because I, I am working with clients and stuff, but it's, they give me enough creative freedom to tell a story with what I do for them. So there is X brand that tells me, oh, we want to we, we want to hire you to tell just for this day, International Women's Day. Right. And so, you know, we picked a few people from different nationalities. So we want to kind of incorporate your culture and your heritage in kind of the International Women's Day campaign. And so I got to tell a story. Totally. You yeah. know, um, there's this doll here in the Dominican Republic that's really famous called the Faceless Dolls. And so I... For the campaign, I made this faceless dolls, just like cool. And so that was a really special project for me because um, I love those dolls and what they represent. So I get to tell stories with the brand, so that helps. And book designs and stuff. Now I'm trying to really incorporate the stories I tell people into some type of like journalist space of mm-hmm. telling stories of of how to make it like a like a digital media site where people could like really enjoy this stories i love that yeah, yeah. so it's like exists online as well as like on very various platforms i suppose yeah, you know it's, it's every like in most places digitally like mm-hmm. but but at least the stories as like its own site will just for illustrated stories so mm-hmm. no photos no no videos so that's something that i've been working on for the past two years that project and that's launching at the end of this one so it's a big reason why i quit this job now yeah always trying to go get to that to get to to telling stories yeah so cool and i'm curious just bringing in some of the presentation lens here and the presentation experience i know you were super excited when we emailed just as far as the timing with that project you know but have you ever had to present your work at all to someone to maybe sell it or maybe pitch it in a way? Have you ever had to put something together to be like, this is what I have to offer, et cetera, et cetera? So for every project, and I think that's something that I got from art school a lot, um, was the 
the presentation for the work is more important than the work. Like mm-hmm. you, the way you present it will get the person hooked. Mm-hmm. And so, so for every work that I do, I, I always make like a little PowerPoint presentation and I like, and you I do. Yeah. 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 All the time with everywhere. Even for the faceless dolls, I was like, okay, the first face, the fa- faceless dolls com- campaign. And I will go down, I will be like, this is the concept. And I would show a picture of the fa- of the real doll and I would tell what their faceless dolls are. And I was yeah. like, so it's my heritage because it's a doll from the Dominican Republic. So I tried to incorporate that. And so by like the last slide was the illustration because I had mm-hmm. to go get them through a process where it made sense for them why I did this. Yeah, it's yeah. the, the context and the story. Right, because it has to be more than a pretty picture. I mean, it could be. There there are artists that, you know, do work of pretty things. And that's mm-hmm. what I'm story driven. So I feel like this part, this like seven slides that I showed you are way more important than like this last illustration that I'm showing yeah. you. That Because this is what's going to make you fall in love with this. That's so cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. I like already I'm like, can I see I the deck? If Mikey was here, he'd be like, let me see that thing. <laughs> you know, no, you're I'm, I'm very excited. I always tell and I always tell my clients, I'm like, is can, can I? Because you know, if it, it depends on the licensing, but mm-hmm. so I always ask them, like, oh, can I and, and to put it on the contract that I can show people the process and the presentation and behind the scenes, even though they're like they bought the work or the licensing i'm like i need to show people the behind the scenes because i feel like that gets me a lot more excited than the illustration right um, right yeah so you're yeah. the right podcast <laughs> yeah you're the right podcast this is great so do you what is your relationship and you can totally be honest this is all you know um no strings attached but do you like powerpoint what do you think of it because it has something we laugh about here is like PowerPoint can be terrible and it can be really boring and a lot of people have a bad association with it because it can be annoying to work with, but it can be really powerful. So as we've said, so what do you like working in PowerPoint? Um, yes and no. I use PowerPoint, but because I'm, I have everything on Google for some reason, like, like mm-hmm. Google photos have the photos of the stories. And so I use slides School more than slides. Yeah. 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 Okay. More than, but I do use and again, talking, getting connected with the style thing, I'm more of like, it's really more about the tool than like how you're using the tool. Like you could make a great presentation using paint, which, mm-hmm. you know, I know it's, just, it's gone. <laughs> totally. But you could use, you, you could, could use whatever you want. And, you know, people hate so much Canva and whatever, but if that's the, the resource that you have, then it's a great resource because you yeah. can do a great presentation with it. And it's so intuitive. 100%, so, yeah. so why not? And it's going to get the job done. So the concept of PowerPoint, yes, I use it. Sometimes I can only use slides and sometimes I'm on a Windows computer and I use PowerPoint. Mm -hmm. And then something that I do a lot is because I I like the feeling of like hand-drawn and like it's like handwritten and drawn in the same presentation, just like you're flipping through pages. I take Procreate and I open it to the size of the slides and then Uh I, I do a transparent layer. And then I just draw on it and put arrows and then I export the slide and then I'll just paste it on the PowerPoint and that's it. Like that, that's what I would use PowerPoint or slides more. It's just to like, kind of just like paste them mm-hmm. put it together and export it as a PDF. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And would you say, like, people's reaction to this? Because uh, I feel like this is kind of going above and, ab- above and beyond for the average freelance illustrator. People, do people like this? I, I mean, I feel like the concept is communicated well, and that's such a well-packaged way to illustrate a story for yourself. Well, I don't, I don't necessarily know if they're expecting it or if they're like, yeah. I, I've never, actually never asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> Are you guys okay with me sending a whole PowerPoint presentation? They probably love it. <laughs> when I send the email, I'll send like the WeTransfer for all the files. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily, like, it's not like you have to see this PowerPoint to see this illustration. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not like that. I just... I like to share the whole process and the, and the way that I got there and why this illustration is important to me. I don't know. I feel like, I mean, they paid for the idea. I might as well share it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, so I don't, I think it's awesome, but I, the feedback is great. They're, yeah. they're all like, oh my God, we've never heard about the face. That's what, that was, that one was nice. They were like, oh my God, we're in love with the faceless soul story. And it's so cute. And so like, I feel like if I hadn't attached that, they, they'd never know. So they would never know. So yeah, it works. Yeah, you had to tell them the story. If you just sent faceless dolls with no context, like someone outside of the culture would not have recognized that. And it might've been weird or something. <laughs> you know, you gotta, gotta get the local color. Yeah. Yeah, it, right, right. So especially because it talked about culture and heritage, and I'm like, how am I going to explain that with just visuals? Like, I'd rather tell, I mean, I could, I did, but it's like, if you have this whole story, you can present it um, yeah. and put the whole illustration around it, then why not? That's, yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's so cool. So I've, I've heard you say this like a couple of times in various ways, but when you know, when they initially emailed you, cold email, you know, plug for cold Love it, love it. Yes. Um, Yeah. What was your initial like interpretation of what presentation thinking means to you? Like, especially related to your work. It's obviously right in the wheelhouse, but I'm curious to know what what your initial reaction was. Well, because of the stage where I am with uh, my work and about presenting stories and where I am, like in my personal life where I have to pitch this idea and this concept, like presentation thinking. I'm like, I love doing presentations and I love presenting my work. And then I heard a couple of episodes and then for me, presentation thinking and the whole concept behind it is again, it's not really about the tool or, you know, the, the style. It is just the way you can condense and present these ideas. And when you grab the visual into it, then it's great because you can simplify a hundred words in one image or a thousand or whatever. But it's great because it, then it helps you and then it helps the audience think too. Because they're mm-hmm. seeing these images and they're thinking more than what they're being told. Yeah, I love it. I love everything about presenting. Oh, I love that. I was like, I, I muted myself I so I wouldn't interrupt you because I love hearing people's answer to that. <laughs> That's really cool. <laughs> and I get really anxious about public presentations is why this is mm. This is not the first podcast I've been invited to, but this is because it's present. Okay, we can cut that. No, no. Everyone must know that we are the first invite you accepted. Come on. That's, <laughs> it's an honor. I'm nervous too. Yeah, I did a public thing once and I'm so glad it never came on air. It was like a, like a, it was for a radio show. Okay. But they were recording too. I got so nervous. And, and for the next months, I would think like, oh, what did I say? What's stupid, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because I used to be a lot more insecure about myself back in that time too, trying mm-hmm. to, to get better every day. It's so, hard. So when this email came, I'm like, 
you know, we can release that fear of like public speaking or whatever. But I get really anxious about it. But I feel like this opportunity with this time, so I'm really into like spiritual and new age. So this is going to get early. But everything has a meaning and a purpose. It's not a coincidence. You guys messaged me. Right. The universe was working it. In this time of my life, the way I want to present my work. So presentation thinking was just ideal. I was like, I can't say no. Because Perfect. Okay. So yeah, it came as like a non-negotiable I invitation. Love yeah. <laughs> love to it. know that. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's so, yeah, no, we're, well, we're happy to have had it too, because I think it made a lot of sense for us starting to talk to some illustrators and stuff to get that perspective is so important. And yeah, Lola's been like, cheering us on in various ways and like supporting the podcast and hosted a webinar of her own. And so with presentation thinking's name. And so it's been fun to kind of bring in different perspectives of uh, where people are at both in the creative and design process. And then like just the strategic, like storytelling stuff too. So it's really cool. Oh, I have one more question and then we can like open up the spice cabinet and ask you some silly things. But um, I am curious, like, I think you've taken a really great stance, not a hard stance, but like a really strong and confident stance of I'm a storyteller and this is what I do and finding the clients that are right for you. Do you think you've had to do a lot of work with that or is it totally word of mouth and kind of the marketing aspect of it, which can sometimes feel a little slimy? How, how have you found your audience? You know, um, I, I, I wasn't necessarily looking for an audience more of like, I just want to share things that I like. Okay. Cause I most, for most of the part, maybe like 90% of the things that I've shared on my feed are not client work. And I rarely post any client work. And so a lot of the work that I post is just my personal work. And gotcha. so from my personal work, then the brands are like, Oh, Hey, we like your style. We like the way you tell things and they'll reach out. Unfortunately, there's, that's a way that it's always the struggle for, for, it's like a struggle to the artists, you know, and even more for artists that do not like to share their life or personal things for people to rip it apart. But you have to be really confident about yourself and what you're creating to not mind that. But in the beginning, for me, I was really struggling because I'm like, I don't feel joy in being on Instagram and constantly posting my art. But every time I post, there's a new client that comes shortly after. Like being on social media, it's really word. I wouldn't say word of mouth. There's a lot of word of mouth from clients, but they're just come from all over the place that they don't really interact. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot about what I post. And like I could spend months and I do, I spend months away from social media and I come back and I put a drawing of I don't know, a tree or a trip that I made with friends. And then a client would come and they were like, oh, we, we like your art for this and that. And so it is a struggle because you always feel like you have to be out there and exposing yourself. But then mm -hmm. you deal with other things about like mental health and insecurities. And, and there's just a lot of working through all that to be like, oh, the stories are more important than yep. what matters is sharing and not what other people think about what I'm sharing. Love it. Snaps. Yeah. <laughs> just like cancel the noise. And if you just focus on yourself and why you you will attract exactly what you're looking for because you put in yeah. that out there. Mm -hmm. so. yeah, for sure. But, but I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to work on that myself so that people could just like do it too. And so like for clients, it's, 
it's interesting because they come and they have no idea of of any of that. They just mm-hmm. like the art and they just want to do the work. And then, and it's like, I just have to focus on that. And so the clients are cool because they come because of what, and what I post is what I like. So there are clients that are usually into things that I like too. Like, oh, their products are ethically resourced or it's a, it's a vegan shop or just something that they already see that I'm posting about. And then they're like, oh, we like how you talk about these things and the drawings. So we just want to, it's a lot about sharing work. Yeah. And just being your true self as an artist and putting that out there and letting the audience find you. Yeah. That's so cool. Thank you for sharing. (laughs) Okay. With that, we can open up the spice cabinets. Yes. And this is just, we love to just ask a couple of like kind of rapid fire questions. And I heard you obviously say Instagram is a tool for you as an artist for better or worse. Right. But would you recommend any, like, what are your favorite, like, podcast books or speakers or any artists that inspired you and that you would maybe recommend for people that are getting started as a freelance illustrator or create a freelance creative to look into? Any resources to share? Yeah. So, um, my, I, I love podcasts. It's very varied. So I'm not going to say my favorite because we're going to go into true crime. Oh, yeah. Okay. Nice. nice. So many different sets. But, um, for the work that I do and to like kind of like pep me up, um, I started listening a couple of years, uh, like two years ago or more to, it's called the Creative Pep Talk. Okay, um, cool. And it's uh, and it's made by this illustrator called Andy J. Pizza. And it, he just made the podcast to help other because he was struggling too. And so it's just a creative pep talk, like do the work, put it out there. And it's cool, really cool episodes. And after you listen to a couple of them, you're like, okay, I could do this too. So mm-hmm. it's a great podcast if you're like trying to get out there with your work and looking for inspirations. And he has interviews with other artists. And it's not only for illustrators, so it's for like the whole, the creative community as a whole. So that's really cool. Um, and then in Spanish, in Espanol, there's a new podcast called Drawing Support Group. And it's by two illustrators, too. And it's the same thing, the creative pep. Or not the same thing, because it, it's a different style, obviously. But it's, it's just a self-help um, podcast for creative people and illustrators. So it has great resources. It makes you laugh because it's about, like, the life of a freelancer, not necessarily an illustration. So those are two great podcasts that I would recommend like creatively. I love that. That's so fun. Okay. Give us a third bonus one. That's not creative related. What's your favorite true crime? My favorite true crime. I think I'm spacing out on the name, but it's really famous. And it's these two girls that have a podcast about true crime. And my favorite murder. Yes. Yes. That's the one. Yeah. I listened to some of them. Okay. I listen to it all the time. Cause I'm like, this is the way that I talk about the murder. I like, I hate what what happened. I right, right, feel, yeah. But the way we're thinking about this, and I'm like, why would she do that? Why would she go into the room? And it's like, it's horrible to talk about um, such a horrendous thing in such a lighthearted way. Creatively, I'm like, you know, these are creative things that you're thinking about in a really mm-hmm. stressful moment, and you know, or you, or a sad time, and you're. Yeah using something else to I know I like I think they add like an element of levity to it in a non in not an insensitive way they do, mm-hmm. I actually think are really sensitive in like relaying this and they even tell people to like take care of themselves and stuff but yeah, I yeah, think yeah. there's 
yes, a way to communicate it in a, it feels like you're kind of around the campfire slumber party <laughs> vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have to let people, like the people that understand the podcast just stay and then the people that won't, you know what I mean? Because yeah. mm-hmm. like, it helps people and it's just a cool way to tell the story. So I feel that creatively, it gives you a boost of confidence because like, oh, this is such a hard topic to talk about. And this is such a lighthearted, creative way to present it. Yeah, I love it. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, Lola. I'll, I'll let you ask her. I have one question that I, I've been asking because we have a couple of illustrators here. So I'm always curious to know, because in the office, we're kind of divided between who illustrates with an iPad and who illustrates with a Wacom. So I was just wondering which one is your, you know, everyday use or you use both? Um, I, I can use both. I use both. Just because it's easier, because again, I like to be outside when I'm drawing. So if I'm drawing on the iPad, I mean, it's easier for me to just go outside on the iPad because the Wacom you need to use right. to onto the onto screen, right? So for just for the purpose of how I'm drawing and the way I'm using it, I'll choose the iPad. And just because I like drawing right on the screen, like right on the and the iPad is is very easy for that, and and I. I've played around with like brushes and editing my own brushes. So I have brushes that, you know, yeah, it's, it's way easier for the, but who does it matter again? But for me, iPad, iPad takes the, yeah. All right. Tally one more for team iPad. That's you too, right? Lola? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. I'm so happy to be on Lars. Yeah. (laughs) That's fun. I like, I just like grabbing it and drawing outside my house, to be honest. I do the same thing. I'll go to the park or at the beach and I just sit there. It's like the most therapeutic thing that you can do. Mm -hmm. That's so fun. Too easy. And then you can replay your own drawings in real time. And like, they just put so many people. It's like, it's so much easier. Like a movie. (laughs) I love that. It's the modern renaissance, like take your easel to the beach and you've got the iPad going. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I have a, and I have a last recommendation. Oh, yes, please, please. But this one is attached to presentation. So it okay. doesn't have to do with okay. illustration. Yeah, yeah. So um, I follow this account. Uh, Gala Foundation, which maintains the journalism legacy of Gabriel Garcia Marquez. So it's like a journalist foundation and they give workshops and virtual classes and they give resources and and it's about like journalism and I'm really into citizen journalism because I'm not like like a like a super professional journalist I got you know I'm just an illustrator I don't like to be tagged with any other profession than illustrator but I am telling stories outside as a citizen not as a journalist and so I learned about this term called citizen journalism and it's just people just sharing stories and writing articles and sharing it to websites and to the internet and to spaces. And they're called citizen, they're calling them citizen journalists with professional journalists. They have a really big fight with this, but I, and then I'm like, Oh, that's what I want to be. That's what I want to do. And I want to attach illustration to it. So I'm a citizen journalist that illustrates. And so during that, they had a talk con Leticia, Leticia Britos. I'll never forget her name. Because she did a presentation for Fundacion Gabo that left me so incredibly inspired. And it talked about like five strategies to to design um, journalistic products that are innovative. So you Mm -hmm. know how like 
news are digital and you have to use digital programs. And so she did a whole speech about how do you use this like new tools that are coming that don't have to do with journalism, but how you can attach it to journalism to tell these cool stories. And that presentation and the way she did it, because she it wasn't just her talking, like she did exercises and she was like, okay, so go to this link and it's like really engaging um to tell the story. And Leticia does that that workshop was incredible. Increíble. And that was a great presentation. So I think I just found the link online. Yeah. And it looks really cool. Thank you for sharing that. That's such a sweet initiative. Yeah, it's it's a that was a really cool story of a castaway, the art of conversation, LGBTQ plus journalism, seven keys for your journalistic work. Very sweet. Yeah, they have really good resources. Yeah, but, uh, yeah that was the first time that I was like, wow, this presentation is fun. You know, like mm-hmm. this presentation is <laughs> daunting and boring. And, and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, I have to sit for an hour while this person talks. And she's like, open this website and we're going to do and just answer these questions. And on real time, everybody that was <laughs> in the audience, you could see the shard from her screen of like you voting. So it's like, oh, this pie shot. And it was so engaging. You're like, wow, like this is, this is fun. That's really cool. So, yeah. yeah. It's memorable when you have like, when you see a speaker or a presenter like that yeah. and you're like, they're doing something that's engaging and uh, different than maybe the average one of <laughs> corporate speaker I see. Oh, that was so cool. Okay. Aime, we've, I feel like we could talk for a really long time, but I have one final question and this is just what we love to bring, ask all of our guests and ourselves constantly. But say, you know, you're walking up for a big presentation to a client or, you know, some creative folks that you really admire. What is your walk-up song? My walk-up song. It's blaring in the background. Yeah. I hate public shows, but it's in my mind, if I'm walking up to this huge stage where everybody's there to see me, the song that I would like to be playing is, you probably don't know this, but it's Volvio Juanita by Mili Quesada. It's a, it's a Dominican song. But the way it starts, and it, and it talks about this person, this woman that's coming back from like a faraway land, and it's just so joyful and it's a Christmas song and Christmas is the oh. best season ever. Oh. So they're only playing it on Christmas and it's a danceable song because it's merengue and they're like, oh, volvió Juanita. So you know, up to the stage, I'm like, volvió Juanita. Like, you know, like, like I'm back. And I've, I've always felt this song is so inspiring and because of the season it's in, it's such a happy song. Uh, I don't know. It's just... I, Beautiful. I, and there's something about a song being seasonal too and having like this connection to it that way is really cool. Yes. That's yeah, cool. Thank you. Connection to me, that song. Okay, amazing. Well, I can't wait to listen back and hear it. But oh, Amy, you're so inspiring. And oh, last thing, I suppose, where can people find your work and follow along? Is Instagram the best way? We'll obviously link that in the notes. Yeah, it's either Instagram or my email. I try to be as less out there in social media as I can. Although I'm changing that because of my new project. And then, so my new project is imacing.com. So okay. it's the way you write my name. And then I, so I may sing. Okay. I can share that wow. on the notes and I can send you the website, but yeah, it's coming soon. It's just like a website to share illustrated stories. Everything is going to be illustrated. It's going to go out and tell stories. So if a brand wants to, you know, play ads, 
I'll illustrate the ad and then put it on the site. Sweet. Okay. I, I can't, I can't wait to see. We can't wait to follow along. So yeah, mm-hmm. we'll definitely be in touch. And your Instagram makes me want to visit the Dominican Republic. So whenever I come out there, make it out there, I'll let you know. <laughs> that's, I'm so happy when people tell me that because that's the whole point. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Experience is experience. Yeah. I love it. Love I love it. it. Awesome. Well, best of luck with everything. Thank you for joining. And any, yeah, any parting thoughts to the press thinkers? The way you pitch, yeah, the way that the way you pitch a story is a lot more important than the story. You could do whatever you want just by saying what you want in a fun way. Just be out there. I think that's what I struggle with the most. So just go out there and share your work if you like the work that you make. Keep on pitching. Keep on storytelling. We'll see you guys next time.